comes reality. Randy Johnson, Kerry Wood, Roger Clemens, and now Max Scherzer. This is going to be a tough play. Hello, folks. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Cleanout Spot Podcast. I'm Jay Blake, joined by Tim Crowell. We're here to break down another exciting two weeks of baseball action. And a lot has changed, but at the same time, not a whole lot has changed. You know, not really. I mean, this is exactly where we thought we'd be right now at this point as far as our teams go. You know, the Red Sox and Yankees, I think, coming into play today, we're tied for first place. Um, so, you know, obviously, both of us love to see that. Um, Got some great topics on the show today. We're going to talk a little Shohei Otani because, you know, we haven't talked enough about him this year. Oh, not not nearly not, not, enough as not, one should. Not, not us, no. And uh, we're also going to get into the Rangers-Dodgers base-clearing brawl the other night, or bench-clearing brawl the other night, I should say. We'll also talk a little bit about the Buster-Posey rule because that's coming to affect a lot this season. And I think that actually we're probably one of the better groups to talk about it. I hate, hate to toot our own horn. But just because of the fact that Not we like have we do that anytime at the show, more just because of the fact that this is an issue that's obviously very surrounded by surrounded around catchers. We have a catcher on the show. And we have a base runner. Hello. On the show. Can we just reenact this at some point? Like I'm going to run you over. You're going to. OK, well, OK. All right, and so we do have very exciting news as well. We have a very, very special guest in the show. Bam, 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 bam. From Barstool Sports, we have Jared Carabas, the the. Baseball writer for Barstool Sports, host of Section 10, host of the Starting Nine podcast. He'll be on the show talking about the Sox, talking some baseball, recounting some old memories. It's going to be a good time. We're excited for it. We hope you guys are excited as well. We'll also dive into some Yankees and Red Sox talks like we do every single episode. And if you saw on our Twitter this week of a Mexican League brawl, that's flash forwarding to us in September. But it still is June, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep it down a little bit, but what, both teams are on the pace for 100-plus wins. Which means come playoff time, we'll probably have a couple of viewing parties uh, between me and Javik. So definitely keep uh, keep your eyes on Twitter come October because we are going to have many live videos from those parties of maybe us screaming and cheer. Pretty much if we had a live stream of Game 4 of the ALDS last year, which I wish we did, I have the every reaction of it. We, it was, well, we have fantastic. the up and down. Like if I had a video of me like screaming things we can't say on this podcast at you <laughs> after Andrew Benatendi. Yes, we're, we're trying Justin to appeal to everybody, so we're family friendly. Yeah, but then obviously, you know, should we? Maybe at some point this week, I'll put out the uh, the video of me taking my walk after the Red Sox loss. But anyways, check check Twitter in October. But for now, let's talk Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani also fan mail coming at the end of the show again as usual. Shohei Otani is hurt possibly i'm not sure he might be done for the year but he does have a grade two ucl strain which is not the worst three is the worst one is eh. so it's basically a ticking time bomb which what, what really everyone knew when he first came over which which did tanaka have tanaka tanaka's at two but it's gotten better so he started out with a two and that's when he went to the rehab and rest and stuff and then got downgraded to one and that's basically what it is now which otani it's very interesting with him because he could either try and come back and just completely blow it or he'll sit out and try and repair it just regularly, and he'll come back for 2020. And Derek Robb has a very good article on Shohei Otani, not to pump our own host. It's not even, it's not even, not, our, not it's even, not even our horn, it's our not, guest. Not even our horn, not to do our guest horns. But he did have a very good article. What they paid for Shohei Otani was not for five years of team control, but instead three. Because they knew 18 was probably a washout. They knew next year he probably wasn't going to play. And for the price they got him, three years of Shohei Otani is still very good if he performs at the same level because his elbow is basically done. Especially if he can still hit for you. Exactly. 
Now, with the UCL, he can't exactly hit because the same thing happened to Glaber Torres, who is now fully in the spotlight and is the leading candidate for AL Rookie of the Year right now. Quick side note on that. Even though, as a, even though as, a, as a Red Sox fan, I'm actually going to take a minute to appreciate a Yankee move. Wow. Can Time we, out. We, we need to just write this down in history. Like, I, Actually, this isn't even more me complimenting the Yankees. It's more of me criticizing the rest of the league on how badly the Chicago Cubs got finessed. Mind you, they got their World Series that they wanted, but they only got one. They So when they traded Roldis Chapman to the Cubs at the deadline 2016, they got Glaber Torres in that trade, if I'm not mistaken. They but, did. So you get Glaber Torres. I think they got Esteban Foyle too. All right. So you now have one of the top prospects in baseball on your team for a rental in Chapman. But nobody knew he was this good back then. Correct. Now, once the Cubs win that World Series, Chapman walks and he goes back to the Yankees. And you just got Glaber Torres out of that. Theo, you're, you will always have a special place in my heart for what you did for Boston. But you, you got finessed. But this is why as Yankee fans, anything Brian Cashman does, everyone is in full support of because of how good he's made deals in this rebuild. The rebuild, if you can call it, they haven't won less than 81 games in the rebuild. There always have been at least five games over 500. It's the baseball equivalent of the do your job and bill we trust for Bill Belichick with the New England Patriots. It exactly which is. We, which we know pretty well. We know quite well. But back to Shohei Otani, is UCL pretty much done? So if he does go for Tommy John, he's out all of this year and all of next year. Definitely, maybe possibly into 2022. Uh, possibly. From, possibly. Possibly. From what I have saw, it's just 2019. But what? It, it depends. on. I mean, everyone's different. I mean, Tommy John's surgery is one of the more serious elbow surgeries you could probably ever have. It's going to depend on the person. And we know, obviously, we've seen guys like, I mean, we've seen a lot of guys come back pretty quick. We've seen guys that it's taken a couple of years for them to really just return to form. So we could see him back mid-2019 All-Star break time. We could see him back opening day 2020. You, if, you just never know. If this is a glimpse into how good he is, when he comes back, he's going to be an absolute star. I mean, just look at his stats. He hasn't even been that bad this year. He's, four, he's been really good four, for a guy that's played both ways. 4-1 and one ERA around 3. And then on the batting side, definitely just as good. I mean, his OPS is 907. So OPS plus above league average, it's 150. He's slugging well. He's getting on base. He's got the power. I mean, he's a very good hitter. He's also a very good pitcher. And going back to what Carabas had said in his article, if you're paying for three years of Shohei Otani, the price that they're paying, they got an absolute steal. Yep. And which is, if you're the Angels, that's exactly what you should be thinking. And that's a very good thing to think. So, but moving on, we're more, more with Otani. It's going to be interesting to see how the Angels react without him and their starting lineup and in their starting rotation. I think the, I mean, their lineup's going to be fine for now. I think they've still been able to produce. They have Anderson Simmons. They have Albert Pujols. They have this guy. You might have heard of him. His name is Mike Trout. Um, no, no, I haven't heard of him. Can no. you enlighten me on the, the legend of Mike Trout? Hey, I, I wonder if I still have his rookie card. I know I did somewhere. I wonder what it's worth now. Anyways, lineup's going to be fine. What bought what? I mean, and we said this back way back when we did our preseason show. The Angels will go as far as their pitching can take them. They still haven't really made any adjustments. There's still really no one else in that rotation that says, okay, say we get to the playoffs, say we get to a wild card game. If Otani's gone, who are we going to go to? Yeah. And it's even the bullpen, too. There's literally no one else. There's no arm in Anaheim right now that intimidates me as a baseball fan. And they are... Banged up. Yeah. 
Shoemaker hurt, Richards hurt, Otani hurt. I mean, that, that, that's that's their only three good starters. They're, they're struggling, and the the problem for them is they play in the AL West. They don't have the luxury of playing in the AL Central, where they have the Indians, who are for some reason wildly mediocre this year. They have to chase the Mariners and the Astros, and they're going to be chasing the Mariners for the second wild card, and they're not going to get there because the loser of the AL East is going to play the second-place team in the AL West. I love the fact that this is the one year where you and I were both like, all right, we're sick and tired of everyone picking the Mariners. They're never going to do anything. And, of course, what are they doing this year? They're on the level of the Houston Astros, who have the best starting rotation in baseball. And they are the, it's crazy what the Mariners are doing. We're going to get off topic here, but it's absolutely crazy what and, they're doing. And this is without Robinson Cano, and this is with King Felix with an ERA around six. And they've done better without Cano than they've done with him. And they've allowed starters such as James Paxton to grow without King Felix being as dominant as he usually is. And they've had guys just breaking out, like Ben Gamble's hitting 298. Mitch Hanniger's probably going to be an all-star. Mitch Hanniger is one heck of a player. 16 homers, 53 RBIs. His OPS is 876. That's wildly good. And Nelson Cruz is Nelson Cruz. I mean, that'll help their lineup. And D. Gordon's also really coming to his own, which is, also brings an interesting decision that they made that when Cano comes back, they will stay with D. Gordon at second. And if you're in a playoff push, wait. Why would you not want Robinson Cano? I know he's been out for he's going to be have been out for eighty games and he's not eligible eligible for the postseason. You still need that bat, but my God, you need Robinson Cano's bat. I mean, the guy is good. They could they could be possibly in a position that the Red Sox are um, prior to get getting rid of Hanley, where you know what? there's days where it's just trying to find a mix of JD Martinez, Hanley Ramirez, and Mitch Moreland all in the same lineup. That might be something that could be interesting down the stretch where you might see days where obviously he's getting up there in age, but you might have to put Nelson Cruz out there so you, in the outfield somewhere so you can keep D. Gordon a second and maybe just D.H. Cano just to get his bat in there. And just looking at their stats, James Paxton, great. The guy's going to be an all-star and a Cy Young contender. He's the Red just Sox roughed him up though last night. The Red Sox roughed him up last they night. They did. They gave him a run for their money, but then they blew it. Because Matt, uh, Matt Barnes is out of you. But interesting here's here. an interesting name in their rotation. Marco Gonzalez is 7-3 and three with a 3.42 ERA and a FIP of 3.2. I'd be lying if I told you who that was. No idea who it was. I'm literally looking at baseball reference, looked at the guy's stats, and went, what? 79 innings. He's only given up 30 runs. That's pretty good. Their rotation's been good. And this is the other thing about their bullpen. They've been in so many one-run games that they've won this year, thanks to Diaz, who's been excellent Diaz as their already has 26 saves. They have two closes on the bullpen because everyone forgets that they got Alex Colomay, like, what, a month ago? That is true. They, they do have him, too. That could be scary. They, I mean, they do have a good bullpen. If they hold up and can go to the playoffs that and they get past the wildcard game, assuming the Astros come back and win the division, that could be a scary bullpen coming out. That's a scary bullpen, but you got to think who they're facing the wildcard game. There is no way they go out of that wildcard game. You either have the Yankees starting Luis Severino with their bullpen, which is a monster, or you have the Sox starting Chris Sale in Boston. With Craig Kimbrell lurking With Craig Kimbrell ready to go the 8th and the ninth inning. There's no way they get past either of those teams because both those teams have also been coming off a season when they have won 100-plus games and they aren't winning the division. They're already mad. The Mariners are like, we're happy to be here. Yay, playoffs. We don't know what this is. We're like... 24 years in, and we don't know what the playoffs are. And the Red Sox we haven't Yankees been here like, in 17 years. We haven't been here in 20-some-odd years. Like, and the last time we were here, Griffey was Ichiro was a rookie. Yeah, exactly. We won 116 games and didn't get to the World Series. Woo! 2003! Woo! One. Yeah, but, like, you're not getting past Because the Yankees are the Red Sox. They're going to be pissed. 
that they aren't in the playoffs of winning 100-plus games. And the Mariners like, yeah, playoffs, let's go. They're not going to win. So right now they probably start Paxton, right? Paxton, definitely Paxton. They definitely have to start Paxton, though. It's and funny why, to th- you're, it's, you're stupid if you don't start Paxton. It's though. funny to think that. So first year of wildcard games was 2012. If you tell the Mariners fan, hey, the, a couple years down the line, you might be in this position, and, King, and Felix Hernandez is not going to be your starter in that game because he's not doing good. And just looking at the wild card standings in the AL, I mean, it is barren. The only team within seven games is the Angels, or within ten games, the Angels, and they're seven back. I mean, this thing could be wrapped up in like middle of August. We know who's in. Yep. Like it won't be mathematically eliminated, but we'll know who's in the playoffs by like mid-August. This is the one thing I'll probably say right now. I want to see how this trend continues of the two seed in the American League absolutely dominating. The two seed has won the last. Two-seed has definitely gone to the World Series at least the last two years. I have to check on the Royals. But the Indians were the two-seed, demolished the Red Sox. The Astros were the two-seed, demolished the Red Sox. Whoever the two-seed is this year, I'd like to see because you have the home field advantage just to get your wings underneath you for that first-round series. That's huge at the come playoff time. That is true. And the one teams haven't done so hot. I mean, look at the Indians last year. They were the team, and then they were not the team because they lost the Yankees. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be fun. But what we will do now is we'll throw it over to our interview with the one and only Jared Carabas. Um, it's a really good interview. We hope you guys enjoy it. We had fun interviewing him. He's a great guy to talk to. And we'll catch you on the flip side. This is the Cleanup Spot. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Cleanup Spot podcast. Um, you know, we are here, episode six, back with our second guest. Uh, we just had Jeff Levering on last week. Maybe one-upping that this week. Um, Man needs no introduction, but we're going to give him a good one anyways. Uh, Raining from Saugus, Massachusetts. Uh, he's the host of the Se- Section 10 and Starting 9 podcast, as well as the head MLB writer for Barstool, uh, Barstool Sports. We welcome Jared Carabas to the show today. Jared, how are you doing? What's going on, guys? Uh, thanks for joining us. I mean, we're excited to have you, and you've had a lot of fun this early this year with the Sox so far. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It's actually been a really interesting year because you, know, you expect the Red Sox and the Yankees to both be good, but uh, they're they're kind of on pace to win like 111 games. So I, I you know you expect a, a little bit of a competitive race, but you didn't expect both of them to be on pace to break their own single season record. We are going to get in, into the Sox in a little bit, but we do just want to brief the, the uh, our viewers a little bit about you. So tell us a little bit about your journey, just from being the everyday Sox fan out in Saugus to uh, your your time with Barstool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've always been a huge Red Sox fan, and um, I've had season tickets at Fenway since 98, so I would have been nine years old that year. Um just uh, I started my own Red Sox blog when I was 16, and I just wrote pretty much every single day uh, for about eight years until until Barstool finally noticed me, and uh, you know we kind of just like talked about it, and because uh, at the time I wanted to work for the Red Sox, and that was uh, just something that didn't work out, and and once that didn't work out, I I was ready to sort of make the jump to blogging for a career so um you know i ended up talking to feilberg feilberg ended up talking to, to portnoy and then uh they brought me on board i mean barstool is not a bad gig if the red Sox don't work out 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the whole Barstool thing is crazy because, I mean, I, I started reading Barstool in, like, 2007. So, uh, you know, I, I always thought the website was hilarious. And, like, I never went there for Red Sox content because there really wasn't anything there. You know, Dave would maybe blog something about, like, something funny that happened in the stands, but there was never any, you know, Red Sox analysis or anything like that on the site. So, uh, I had been a fan of Barstool for a long, long time, so it's it's kind of crazy to be able to say that I'm a part of it and doing something that I love for Barstool, and it's it's kind of similar to just being like a musician, and then your favorite band asks if you want to play, and you're like, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a lot of fun being along the ride uh, with Barstool, and you know, getting in at a time where they were not. Uh, you know, at, in New York, yeah, like I, I came in in like 2014, and um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been crazy to see how big it's gotten. And with your time at Barstool, you've been doing a lot of podcasts. So, what do you enjoy more, starting nine or section ten? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's hard to say. It's like having two kids and picking your favorite, but uh, I would say section ten because section ten was first. Um, and then obviously I just love the Red Sox now and specifically Red Sox, but I mean, getting to work with Dallas Braden, uh, and Justin Havens, our producer, like those are two of the smartest baseball guys that I've ever met. Um, so it's like, you know, section 10, we talk about the Red Sox, we get to goof off and, and we laugh and we have a really good time. Um, and I enjoy the content that we put out for section 10. But I'll do starting nine with Dallas and Justin, and they'll be teaching me things. Like, I, I learned so much from those two guys, and I love, uh, you know, the guests that we're able to get on starting nine because, like, that's our national baseball show. So we have access to, you know, our talent booking agency, and they'll bring in players from all different teams and, and personalities that cover the game. So, I mean, they're both a lot of fun to work on. Uh, but, you know, we, you know, on Section 10, like, that's my baby. Like, Section 10, it, I think it is. No, it's 100% true. Section 10 is the second longest-running podcast at Barstool. KFC Radio is the first, then it was Section 10, and all these other podcasts that have come on, you know, since then came in after Section 10. Now, what, do you have a favorite game you've ever seen from Section 10? Oh, yeah. Uh Game four of the 2004 ALCS, that was the one where, you know, Robert stole second base and uh, Mariano Rivera blows the save and David Ortiz had a walk-off home run. And that was the first of eight consecutive victories to coming back from being down 0-3 to beat the Yankees and then winning four straight in St. Louis to win the first World Series in 86 years. Personally, I'm going to thank you for bringing that up because Javik's losing his mind recounting 2004 right now, being the, being the Yankee fan he is. It brings me into clinical depression and Tim into pure happiness. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was – what grade are you guys in? Uh, uh, we're juniors. both juniors. Juniors, okay. So I was a sophomore when the Red Sox won in 04. Uh, but in 03, I would have been a freshman in high school. And, I mean, that was, that was the worst experience in my entire life because I had tickets to game one of the World Series so I mean the Red Sox were five outs away from going to the World Series but I was also five outs away from going to a World Series with my dad and you know growing up I mean 
you know, you guys have seen, you know, a few World Series, but, you know, when I was in 2003, when I would have been like 15, um, the Red Sox hadn't been to the World Series since 1986, and I wasn't born yet. So uh, back then it was like you didn't, as a Red Sox fan, you knew that, like, the franchise had been to the World Series, and they went, you know, 46, 67, 75, 86. Like, they had gone to the World Series, but they hadn't won one since, you know, 1918. So I'm thinking to myself, like, all right, we have tickets to the World Series. This is looking great. They might not win, but at least we're going to get to see, like, an event. Like, when the Red Sox go to the World Series, it's always been – they've always gone to the seventh game. So it's always, they've never gotten their asses kicked or anything like that. So I was like, all right, at least I'll see the start of something eventful. Uh, and then, you know, the Aaron Boone home run happens. And that was just the, the most depressing thing ever because I had no idea they were going to go back the next year and win it. Like, as a fan, you're thinking, because, you know, I've heard my whole life, like, yeah, they're never going to win one. They're cursed, this and that. They just don't have what it takes. And uh, they'll never get past the Yankees. And to see it live and have that realization of, like, wow, like, everything that everyone had ever told me as a fan growing up is true. Like, they're never going to win a World Series. They're never going to be able to, to beat the Yankees. Like, this is horrible. So, uh, so 04 will always be very, very special to me as it is for every Red Sox fan. But uh, to have been there for the start of, of that run that they went on was, was uh, I don't think anything can ever top that for me. So how did it feel in 04 when they finally won the whole thing and they finally got over the hump and broke the curse? Uh, I mean, it's strange because I don't think, like, no one else cared about, the, even even when I was, you know, 16 years old, no one cared about the Red Sox more than I did. Nobody. So it was like the Red Sox won the World Series, uh, but, like, you know, I I felt like, it was just this huge celebration and people who didn't really care that much about the Red Sox, it was, they got emotional. And then like my family, like my dad's a huge Red Sox fan. My mom's a huge Red Sox fan. Like my grandfather was a huge Red Sox fan. So like they all got to celebrate it. Um, but at my school, it was basically like a Jared celebration. Like everyone knew that I was the Red Sox guy. And I remember when they brought the World Series trophy to my high school, they did this thing where, you know, they, they brought classes down one by one to the auditorium, and you got to, like, go up the side of the stage, go across the stage, take a picture with the trophy, and then go to the other side of the stage, and then you went back to class. And I just rotated everyone in and out um, all day long. But when my class went there, I just stayed. And I just, like sat in the front row and I watched all the other classes like come and take their picture but I like my class left me behind and I just sat there and I stayed in with the trophy until it left and then like some like little baby in my class was like why does Jared get to stay but we have to you know go back to class and my teacher was like listen shut up this is his time like let him do what he's gonna do uh, and it was it was great and you know we went to the parade and um, I remember we we followed the parade. Like, we didn't want to pick one spot and just watch the parade. Like, we went to one spot, watched the parade, and we just, like, followed it wherever it went throughout Boston. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll never forget 04. And, you know, just because I was 
young did not mean that I didn't appreciate the the significance of it because you know I knew the history like I had read a bunch of books about the history of the Red Sox and there was uh, this this DVD that came out is like the entire history of the Red Sox like I used to watch that all the time so um, yeah I was well aware of of the blood sweat and tears that went into winning that 2004 championship and it's crazy now because you know like I'm like friends with a bunch of the players on the team it's it's that's one of the craziest parts about I guess this job at Barstool is the people that you you get access to and then the people that you eventually get to call friends if you're in touch with them enough. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it. That's the I would say the craziest part is like you know like now like Kevin Millar follows me on Twitter, Pedro, Nomar, uh, Schilling. He like calls me sometimes. Like Schilling's like my buddy. It's it's very strange. Uh, Veritech like. I've, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very good friends with his wife, and then through that I became, like, good friends with him. Like, the Veritech family is awesome. So, yeah, it's, it's very, very strange. And then oh, I miss Ortiz. That's one of, like, my favorite memories of all time was we were at the Barstool Christmas party this past winter, and I got a notification on my phone that David Ortiz has followed you on Twitter, and I went absolutely nuts in front of, like, the entire company. Um so yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah, that was definitely one of the Twitter highlights of of the season. I th- I think I sent that to Javik, and I was like, history has been made. Maybe what did you say? Uh, I I sent that video to Javik. I think the day that I came out, I'm like, well, history has been made. Like all things are good in the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like you know, having Ortiz. Uh, just even know who you are is such a crazy thought to me because you know I and I say this to like to like you guys like you guys I mean your your idols probably Ortiz um, but as you get older I mean like whoever the best player is on the Red Sox ten years from now like you'll think they're pretty cool but you're not gonna be like oh my god they're crazy like that's the craziest thing in the world but like they follow me on Twitter because. It's more about who you idolize as a kid, and I just was fortunate enough to where I idolized as a kid the player who became the most important player in franchise history, like David Ortiz. Like so, so the whole thing about Nomar, like Nomar is my childhood hero. He followed me on Twitter. I freaked out, um, but like that was my favorite player when I was like ten. And then you get to like high school and like that's you know your your younger years. But Ortiz became literally the most important player, not the best player, but the most important player in Red Sox history. So uh, yeah, that was a pretty big deal. So the Twitter follower list that you have is pretty good right now. Um, so obviously we have Ortiz, and then going back to Winter Weekend this week this year. Which quick side note, I was so mad this year. So I've gone like the first like two or three years that they've gone to Foxwoods. This is the one year I didn't go, and I'm on Twitter, and the next thing I see is you down there taking pictures with everyone. I'm like, of course, this is the one year I don't go. Jared finally decides to go down. Um, so, yeah. I don't know, we, we no, might... We've, we've been there. I think we've been there every year except for the first year. Like, there was, like, some big snowstorm. We didn't go that year. So, we've, we've been there a year that you were. Yeah. I don't know. I, well, I think this might have been before I followed you on Twitter, so we might have to rearrange that next year. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
Um, moving forward, though, just getting a little more modern with us. Um, overall thoughts on the Sox this year so far? Um, I mean, I think for the most part, they've uh, they're kind of they're kind of I mean, they're they're on pace right now to win more games than they've ever won in, in a single season before. So no, I didn't expect them to be that good, but it because of how close the Yankees have been, it doesn't feel like they're on pace to win more games than they've ever won in their entire franchise history. So it's kind of, it's, it's unique in that way that, you know, of course it would be the Yankees of, of all teams to uh, sort of be neck and neck with the Red Sox during a season where, you know, they could in theory break their single season win record and then not even win the division. Like that would be the craziest thing of all time. Um, so yeah, I mean like the, the rotation's been really good. You know, Porcello has been uh, he's been better than I expected him to be. And, you know, he's had Price with the carpal tunnel thing, but he's been awesome since the diagnosis. And uh, I feel like we're talking about Chris Dale a lot less this year, but that's not necessarily because he's been bad. It's because it, the, the Astros pitchers have been so much better than everybody else. So, like, last year we were talking about, well, this is definitely the year that Chris Dale is going to win the Cy Young Award. Um, but this year, I mean, it, there's just a lot of guys that are having better seasons. But Chris Dale's still having an awesome season. And, you know, uh, J.D. Martinez coming over, uh, and, and he's sort of exceeded all expectations. And now they're comparing him to, to Manny Ramirez and all that. And uh, uh, Mookie Betts having – a phenomenal season. You get two MVP candidates in your lineup. So, yeah, I think, you know, if they, if they can add a bullpen piece, which they might not even have to do with a trade, like they, you know, it could be Tyler Thornburg who joins the team and, and ends up being a guy that is a weapon in the late innings, or it could be um, that third-round pick that they made. He was like the 100th pick overall. He's the TCU all-time saves leader. Um uh, Durbin, so if they, you know, he throws like 99 with movement, they've got options within their organization in terms of uh, ways that they can make this team better. But um, you know, you look at the Astros and the Yankees, and and those are two really, really good teams. But the Red Sox are right there with them. So I think uh, it's kind of stating the obvious that you know the World Series champion is going to come out of the American League, and it's going to be one of those three teams. Yeah, so leading into just any, any way the Red Sox could get any better, I mean, we're both fans that we are always, always thinking about what's the what's going to be the next mock trade that we could be thinking of for our respective teams, and I know you are too. Um, any specific moves, any specific guys you think the Sox might target come July 31st? Uh, I think it's, it's probably a little too early to tell right now because you don't know – like what teams are going to be out of it? I mean, like, you know, you, you know that the Orioles are way out of it. So uh, I'm sure you know we we've already seen the trade rumors about uh, Zach Britton and Manny Machado, and uh, might they try to package those two guys together? And whether or not the Red Sox would be interested, and who they give up? And Devers was one of the names that came up. And there's no way I would give up, uh, you know, six years of Rafael Devers for, you know, four months of Manny Machado and, and Zach Britton. That's just not happening. Like, the Red Sox 
The Red Sox aren't desperate enough to give up a player who could potentially be, you know, a 30 home run hitting uh, short, not shortstop, third baseman or first baseman. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure those guys will be on the move. I, I hope the Red Sox won't be in on them because I know what the asking price is going to be. Uh, I, I'm hoping that, you know, they could do something with the bullpen. But, again, that could be – you could essentially be – adding a player to this roster without having to give up anything. So I would say that that's their biggest area of need is a bullpen, and there there doesn't really have to be anyone on the move in order to make it better. And this is just crazy to think about. Theoretically, both the Yankees and the Red Sox could both win upwards of 105 games, and one of them could go home the first game of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were talking about that on Section 10 being like, uh, whenever it was, <laughs> I don't think it's true anymore because the Astros have won 10 straight. But um, there was a point where if the season ended that day, that the Astros and Red Sox would be playing each other in, in the wild card game. And that's, that's an insane thought that you could have the defending World Series champion Astros who have this insane rotation of Verlander, Cole, you know, McCullers, uh, and Verlander, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy to me that that team at any point this year wasn't in first place because, the, I mean, you look at the Astros and they are 1,000% built to go back-to-back. Their bullpen needs some work. Like, I don't trust Giles. Um, but, I mean, if they're, they're a reliever away from basically just guaranteeing a championship. Um, and then the Yankees, their lineup is just absolutely relentless. Uh, you know, one through nine, they, they have a guy that can really do some damage in the lineup. And, you know, Severino is, is an absolute monster. And after Severino, like, no one really scares me. Like, Sonny Gray is just kind of meh. Like, he's, he's capable of having, like, a great start once in a great while. But, um, you know, I don't think that he's been what they hoped that he would be. And, and Sabathia... Uh, you can't really trust that guy. He's like 37, 38 years old. So uh, I, I'm expecting the Yankees to go out and, you know, at, at least kick the tires on Jacob DeGrom, but probably not get him because of what it'll cost and maybe go out and get a Cole Hamels from Texas or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just there's, there's, there's not enough spots for all these teams that top their division. So the Seattle Mariners also – they deserve respect for the season that they've had and the run that they've been on. They've got the best record in the majors since they lost Robinson Cano. Um, so, I mean, even even the Astros are not a guarantee to win their division. So I, I'm assuming that uh, the American League wildcard game is going to feature two teams that their records are going to be better than, than a lot of division winners. Now, with moves on the mind, how are you dealing with Hanley withdrawals so far? <laughs> it sucks. I, I miss Hanley, and uh, I just, from my understanding, it was a move that had to be made. And um, you know, I think it's over 162 game season. It's really important to keep guys loose. And even when he wasn't hitting well, he was a guy that kept guys loose and having fun and uh, keeping things light, which is a lot more important than people on the outside realize. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's that's probably where he's missed the most. 
And, um, you know, I just I hope that he ends up somewhere that, you know, he has a chance to play on a winning team. And um, But, I mean, judging by his social media, he's, he's not really in a hurry to sign with another team. He's kind of just hanging out in Miami or in the Dominican, just like enjoying his time off. So, I, I mean, he's, he's getting paid $15 million by the Red Sox to just chill. So I don't really blame him for not taking his, for not, uh, you know, jumping an opportunity right now. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that still bothers me about the Hanley thing, outside of, you know, the fact that he's still one of the better power hitters that was in your lineup, was, um, you know, come playoff time, I was looking so forward to just keeping that video of you yelling, let's go Hanley from the playoffs last year on uh on repeat for the playoffs we're not going to get to see that now yeah i know it's uh it's sad because um you know a lot of guys like really liked him and uh you know he was just like a content machine for us between all the stuff that he said or all the stuff that he did um you know we we got like an endless supply of content from Hanley being able to just tweet his videos and, and use his quotes and, you know, turn what he says into T-shirts, and it was all just like a big recurring act. But, uh, yeah, it sucks that he's gone. All right, uh, Jared, before we wrap it up, we actually did have a fan question coming to you this week. This one's from Bo, and the question is, would you get a hit off of Dallas Braden if you faced him? Uh, yeah, I <laughs> definitely would. Uh, he... So the last time he was in New York last summer, uh, we did a video where he faced Dave, and Dave could not get a hit off of him, but Dave is also a lefty, and Dave is also 10 years older than me. He's like 41 or 42. Uh, I I could definitely get a hit off of Dallas, being that I'm a right-handed hitter. Dallas is a left-handed pitcher, and I think, I mean, after all the shoulder injuries, he probably only throws now like, uh, maybe mid to low 80s. I'd say probably low 80s. So, yeah, I, I could definitely get a hit off. So what type of hit are we talking? Are we just talking a single or are we talking a homer? Uh, No, I mean, like, I, I could probably hit a rope off of them. I don't think I would take them deep or anything like that unless they have, like, an aluminum bat. But if we were using wood bats, I could definitely hit, like, a line drive back up the middle off of them. All right, well, thank you so much, Jared, for your time. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show. I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for having me, and hopefully we can do it again sometime. All right, that'd be great. I uh, will catch you guys on the other side of the break. This is The Cleanup Spot. Hello, folks. Welcome back to The Cleanup Spot. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Great guy to talk to. Great baseball talk, as usual. The story about 4 was, even as a Yankees fan, one awesome story. Absolutely loved it. I mean, this is someone, so, I mean, obviously – when we think back to the early days of when you and I just first had this idea for the podcast, we all thought of two months, we, all of we, like four months ago. Right. We, we thought of just like trying to be like, all right, what can we do to just make our podcast great? Like section 10 and starting nine. Now that we just literally, this is something we talked about. Like, all right, when we ever just can have the opportunity, we're getting Jerry Robinson. And we were like, show. when we were thinking, Ooh, in one year, we might have enough people to get him on the show. And we're six episodes in six episodes. in. least we've had Jeff Levering and we've had Jared Carabas. I could die happy. Yep. It's pretty awesome. No, great guy to talk to you. Great stories. We hope you enjoyed the interview. You'd love to see it. You loved to quote, quote the man to himself. Quote the man You'll himself, love to see, see it. it. You just love to see it happen. You really do. But now getting back into the swing of things, we got some Buster Posey rule talk because everyone loves talking about the Buster Posey rule. Because it came up again the other night. So if you watched 
Rangers, Dodgers. It's actually come up twice in the past month. Yeah. There was the Anthony Rizzo play in Pittsburgh, and then there was right. last but uh, the, few weeks ago. The big one. Ago. Big one was, uh, if you were watching the other night, Rangers traveled to L.A., take on the Dodgers. Uh, Matt Kemp comes barreling around third base and smashes into Robinson Torino's. And I don't think we talked about enough how Matt Kemp has come out of nowhere to be good for the Dodgers. Again. Again. Remember, like Matt Kemp has he, been reborn. Like, 2010, 2011, Matt Kemp on the Dodgers, you do not mess with him. No, That is MVP not. candidate Matt Kemp. He's hitting 335. In 66 games, he's hitting 335. With, he's slugging 566. He's a 370 OBP. Like, what time machine brought this guy back? Can we get, like, I don't know. Once he's healthy, I kind of want that Dustin Pedroia back. Like, can we go like 2008, 2009 Dustin Pedroia? I love, yeah. Can we go 2009? Can we just throw everything in baseball back to 2009 when the Yankees are absolutely filthy? <laughs> oh but the place is back to the plays of the plate. You can continue your story. That was really good alliteration. Back to the plays of the plate. Yes. That was good. Anyways, My so, English teacher will be proud of me. Anyways, bench is clear. And it just brings up the whole conversation again about whether or not we should have gotten rid of the rule that players can barrel over catchers. And so we have the situa- situation. It was the right thing, though. Right. He had the ball. What is he going to do? He's going to stand there and have the ball. What is Matt Kemp supposed to do? Like, Hi, I'm going to run around. Like, what is this? Like, instructional league baseball? No, you go through the catcher. And you're a catcher saying I'm a too. catcher. Who run cares? through me. Smash mouth. Let's go. Run through me. I'm also not stupid enough to stand on top of the plate when Matt Kemp is coming home. I'm not like... Hit me. I'm like, I'll stand off to the side and like sweep tag you because you're not going to get safe. But, like, right, but I'm I, can, I, I'm, I, might come, I might come out at you and just full blow, Like, they're not the only ones. Like, I like I think some of the best plays you are. You have the most padding on. Right. No, there was a t- so there was a play. I think it was like 2008, Jason Veritek and Skip Schumacher. Same situation. Jason Veritek did not wait for Schumacher to come. He, Veritek came out and barreled him. Yeah, no, that was. I, I, that was I 10 think years it, ago. I think, it, I think it's helpful for catchers. Like, they have to. It makes it so you don't have the ball and you can, like, before you have the ball, you can just stand on home plate, which right. makes it safer so you're not receiving the ball as it right. comes in so you're just aware of it happening. Because the Buster Poser play was gruesome. Yeah, because he was standing on top of, he was standing in the baseline before he had the ball, but telling catchers you have to get the ball first and then go into the baseline, that's fine. I mean, Here's the real question, though. Where, baseball. Real question, where is Scott Cousins now? I'm pretty sure he's retired. Off, I haven't heard off of the face of the planet. But if you're a catcher, you're going to catch the ball outside of the baseline just because that's where you're going to catch it. Then you come back into the baseline and cover the plate. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. And I have no problem with Matt Kemp running into the guy at the plate. And I have no problem with what Anthony Rizzo did at home plate in Pittsburgh. Take the guy out. That's Take bas- out his back leg because that wasn't even dirty. No. He just kicked out his ankle. It's not like he slid at his knee and was about to tear his ACL. He just kicked his foot out, so he missed it to first. It wasn't anything malicious. It wasn't anything bad. He just kicked out his foot. It's just old school tough guy baseball. Which, it's not even tough guy baseball. He just kicked out his foot. Like, what are you gonna say? No, you can't kick out his foot. Like, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly legal. And people should get over themselves. Like baseball, it's not have to be like cricket. Like you can run into other people. You can slide out and take out the catcher's back foot because you just kick it out. You can I, take out I the love catcher. Watching like, it's okay. the detail and you're just flailing around. It is doing okay. This right oh my gosh. I'm like John Madden. I use my hands a lot. <laughs> But, like, it, it's, it's all good if you kick out the catchers like Anthony Rizzo's did because it wasn't anything bad. It wasn't like he was going after his knees or it wasn't like he was trying to cause harm. He was just trying to break it up. Personally, I want collisions back. I really do. I See, I like collisions back in the way that, they're, the way that Matt Kemp did, where the catcher got the ball and then moved into the baseline and got taken out. 
Right. It's not, not so at least you're if the catcher's prepared and bracing right. for it and the runner's bracing for it because the catcher's not not realizing it's coming and getting steamrolled. Right. No, we don't need to get we don't need a catcher taking a throw from right field and as the ball's still five feet away, ha- having him get clobbered. Yeah. But a situation that's where that's scary. A situation where you know what? Ball comes in, tag comes down into the plate and he's ready to go. I have no problem with that. I don't have a problem with it either. I mean, it's perfectly fine and seeing what they're doing and uh, the fact that it caused a brawl is just kind of funny. They were both just mad at each other, but Especially the Padres, just they, they needed some sort of rele- relevancy right now, and that was that was. Did you see AJ thing. Green last night getting tossed? Yes, greatest thing ever. So AJ Green got tossed last night, and as he's walking off the field, he screams the umpire, "I'm leaving the field so you can make more bad calls." Speaking of, all right, I forget if I retweeted this video this weekend. I on the, on our Twitter, and I hope we did. And if did not, you, you guys will we'll, we'll retweet it so you guys can. Did see you that. see the video that just came out of Terry Collins yes. screaming at the it umpire? Was so funny! Oh, so for those of you guys who don't Give know, us Jacob, a chance. what was it? Jacob Degrom? Was it Degrom or Syndergaard? Syndergaard got thrown out of the game last two years ago. It was like last year, or two years ago. Two years ago, I think it was two years ago, and he threw behind a batter's head, and they just instantly threw him out. And Terry Collins went nuts, and one of the umpires was mic'd up and went up to him. And it's it's some gold stuff. It's, it it's good. It's I'm real pretty good sure stuff. we retweeted. If not, I'll find it. And I'll put it out there. For it's you guys. some real good stuff. But we're getting back off topic. So back to the topic and Yankees Red Sox talk. Yankees Red Sox talk. We ready? Yeah. I I'll, 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 do you, you know, I'll let you start for a change. Oh, I can take the floor. Oof. All right. So we are sixty some odd games in. The Yankees have the best winning percentage in Major League Baseball. They are absolutely underperforming. All their top guys are underperforming. Gary Sanchez is barely a is one point below the league average OPS. Giancarlo Stanton hasn't gotten hot. Gary's yet. also not even hitting two hundred. He's not hitting. He's in one eighty five, which is deplorable. Didier Gregorius is like his production has fell off a cliff. Stanton is getting back a little, but he's not great. Judge was slumped for a little bit. Their their big guys haven't performed great, and their starting rotation has been deplorable. Besides Severino. I mean, you had Which, Jonathan, that was expected, though. Yeah, you had Jonathan Loiza, whatever, whatever his name is. The kid hadn't pitched above Double A. Great nickname, by the way. His nickname was Johnny Lasagna. All-time great nickname. Fire up the T-shirt machine to get the Johnny Lasagna. I want to hear like that, like John Sterling's nice, like the Italian John Sterling. <laughs> oh, the lasagna. Was <laughs> whatever. They have some kid who never pitched above Double A pitch last night. And throw five shutout innings. It's impossible. It's crazy what they're doing. But what's saving them are guys like Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar who are lighting it up for this team. Brett Garner's also doing very well. But their bullpen has been great. And then there's Glaber Torres. I said I loved him last show. I still do love him. Might love him even more because he's done great. He's putting balls out at an alarming rate. 13 home runs. He never hit more than 24 in a season before joining the Yankees. He's a great player. Miguel Andujar literally only hits extra base hits. I swear the guy doesn't know what a single is. Extra base hits after extra base hit after extra base hit. And did I mention this team is underperforming while playing the best, being the best team in baseball? This team, when they get hot and when they all click, when guys like Gary Sanchez are mashing, like Giancarlo is mashing, Aaron Judge is ripping the cover off the ball. He's still doing very well, but he's not ripping the cover off the ball. When Didi Gregorius is firing on all cylinders, when Glaber Torres is still firing on all cylinders, when Miguel Andujar is nuts, this team is going to be unstoppable. If they are this good while underperforming with their top guys, when the top guys do perform, 
I'm going to be in heaven. Like, this will be the greatest thing of all time. The floor is yours. Thank you, sir. There, there, go take your rebuttal. I'm going to take a break. So while you may have the best winning percentage in, the, in baseball, you are still not the true champion of the AL East at the moment. We are because we have more wins at the moment, and you are still whatever half a game back. We've, had, we've seen Carabas and Hubs go at it, so I'm going to leave that talk to them. I don't think the Red Sox have reached their fullest potential yet either. Their bullpen outside of two people has been extremely shaky. They're going to have to add a piece. Drew Pomerantz has been nowhere but the disabled list. You're still playing without your starting second baseman. You went on a streak where you still won probably a good more like three quarters of your games without the best player in baseball on your team. Mookie Betts was out for about two weeks, and you still rolled without him. J.D. Martinez is finally making a free agent deal in Boston seem pretty luxurious as he is mashing balls right now. It's not even fair. Devers has struggled, so he's not even at his potential. Bogarts has had moments of greatness. Moreland's been pretty good after you get rid of Hanley. And the catchers have been pretty good, too. Plus, Ben Attendee's back. I'm telling you, if they can legitimize their bullpen outside of Craig Kimbrell, who's excellent as always, and maybe a candidate, the underdog for AL reliever of the year, is Joe, Mr. Bases Loaded, Get Out of Jam Kelly. When they legitimize that pen, when the starters are healthy, and we can get a full starting lineup going, whew, all I'm going to say is watch out. What are these two out. team combines? 93 and 30? 93 and 40? I just did the math real quick. I, there, 93 be, and 40? When you look and up. Neither team is absolutely on fire, and you're like, they're insanely good. They're like, still they're missing. Good to begin with. They're missing They're parts. missing pieces. Imagine when they all click. We are going to both die of anxiety. When it gets to the postseason and these two teams match up with each other in the ALDS, it's going to be the craziest five games you have ever seen. When everyone in the Yankees is mashing, when the Sox are all in their fullest potential, when the Yankees' starting rotation is shored up, which is what they're going to need some help with at the deadline, when the Sox rotation is there, when both the bullpens are absolutely nuts, like it might be the greatest series of all time. And when they've had some good ones. This might top up four, this could top up three, this could top 99. What else am I forgetting? That's pretty much the big one. That's the only one. They haven't played each other in 14 years, and if it does not happen this year, we did something wrong with the baseball. We wanted it last year. So close last year. So close. So close. So close. But this is going to be so much fun down the stretch with both of these teams, because neither team is at their full potential. No. They're they're technically underperforming, which is hilarious, because they're both on incredible streaks. The Yankees are on their best start since 1987. The Sox are at their best start since I don't even know when, probably a while. I think Jared said it earlier, and it is it is right now, like, no question about it. The National League does not stand a chance in the World Series this year. The, oh, All-Star, the All-Star game is going to be a joke. They're, the All- the American League is going to blow the National League out of the water. Like, it's going to be a blowout. Who are you scared up. of the National League? Nobody. No what, the Cubs? Nope. Brewers? No. No. We'll apologize to our guests last week, but I'm not scared of the Brewers. Braves have been good, but not afraid. Colorado's eh. Colorado. Diamondbacks, eh. The Dodgers aren't going to be there. Even if they were, I really wouldn't be afraid of them. Either of us. The Mark my words now. The ALCS is for the World Series. Correct. Unless something crazy happens, because it is baseball, and who knows? It might go pretty like, nuts. It's like, the Rockies will win the World Series. But, and, and with that, let's go to fan mail. Fan mail. Okay, first question. Deep breath. 
First question is from Nicole. What has happened to the Mets? They started the season 11-1, and now in the past 12 games, they're 1-11. What happened? <laughs> they're the Mets, and they they're the Mets. suffer for all of eternity? They're the Mets. <laughs> they are the Mets. Like, they're just the bound really to suffer. Have, the injuries really haven't even been that bad. No, they just were really hot, and every Met fan got really excited, and then they played baseball and reminded Mets fans why they're miserable. Am I the only one that really has a problem? Like, same thing with the Ben Attendee thing. Is, am I really the only one that has a problem with Jacob DeGrom like, losing the locks? Because they were... Okay, on Jacob DeGrom, last two, last 10 starts, he has huh. a .81 ERA. Blowing the doors off. You want to guess who their team record is? They have two wins in the last 10 games he started, and he has a .8 ERA. Paul Seawalt, it sounds like a fictional character, has literally just blown every game. Their bullpen is literally, their bullpen, when did the Yankees play them? That was this week, right? They played them this week, and they blew both their games in the late innings. That was this week, right? Last weekend? That was like two weeks ago. Because they were the Sunday night game like a week or two ago. Last weekend. So it was last weekend they played them. And the Yankees were like always down late, and they just kept on coming. The Mets bullpen is deplorable. They've lost like almost every single game for them in this streak. It's unbelievable. So to answer your question, Nicole, what has happened? They're the Mets. They got exposed. Their bullpen got exposed. The Bears are who they thought, they, or who we thought they were. <laughs> the Mets are exactly who we thought they were, and that is why I picked them to finish fourth place in the NL East because I had no faith in them at all. Uh, now I know faith in their, them staying healthy, but I still have no faith in them to do well. Our right, next qu- question is from probably the most consistent sender for questions, our boy Tyler. Yeah, Tyler. Hat tip to you, Tyler. Good, 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 good on you. <laughs> I oh, I wish you fell. Oh, oh my God. gosh, I wish you fell. This is why you don't sit on boxes while recording a podcast. Anyways, okay. Um, Tyler says, as the rest of the season unfolds, which team can you picture or can you see making a push and finding its way into the playoffs? I assume that's probably not someone right now. Ugh. It's not the American League. I really – I think right now probably the Nats. And I, I mean, it, that was expected that they were gonna get in. It's, it, I know, I'm, I'm apologizing, I'm apologizing for this freezing cold take, but they'll be back there. I still think the Braves are gonna get into the playoffs, whether they hold on to win the division. The Nats will rebound. They'll get back in the playoffs. Oof. Sorry for that ice cold take, everyone. But that, this is tough. It might be the Cardinals. Well, I the Cardinals are a game and a half back. No, I changed that. I think yeah, Cardinals. Well, they're not. Are they in right now? How's the wild card looking? They're game and they're game and a half back. Washington has a second wild card right now. Right, yep, yeah, Cardinals. Cardinals. It's either that, that's Card- a, that's a little bit of a warmer take. It's either the Cardinals or the Phillies. The Phillies might have enough. If they add a piece of the deadline, maybe. But I'd still I'd still take the Cardinals right now. Yeah, the Cardinals are the Cardinals are good. All right, this might actually be the question that I thought the least about who is the best middle infield duo from Ryan by the way who is the best middle infield duo in baseball for me it's pretty obvious and the competition's really not even close it's Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa I was gonna say the same exact thing it's not even close it's the, the two of them is insane they shouldn't be on the same team they, they really what's the next closest like Ramirez and Lindor maybe maybe and that's not really that's I not mean, even that much hats off to Mr. to Smiley Frankie Lindor but this it's this isn't a competition. It's not really even not. Close. It's not even close. Like Altuve and Correa are so good together. It's not even close. 
All right, then our last question actually comes in from a fellow podcast. This is the Southside Hardball Podcast. Ooh, shout out to them. This was on Twitter as well after we uh, sent out the video announcing Jared Carabas is going to be on the podcast. So which gained us. Thank which, you so much. Yeah. We appreciate it. We do. Um, how worried are we about Bellinger? And this is something that I kind of thought about throughout the offseason, whereas, I mean, his, I mean, he produced in the playoffs last year. Don't get me wrong. He had a couple of big hits in the World Series, but... He was a guy where I said in the preview, if they want to do anything, he needs to cut down the strikeouts. He hasn't. He's been unproductive. They're thinking about sending the – the Dodgers are literally at a point where right now they're not good anyways because of the injuries. They're literally at a point where they are considering sending the reigning rookie of the year to AAA. This is already in time where stars are getting just sent left and right. Mikel Sano just got sent to single A. Which is – if that, isn't a, if that is maybe the biggest slap in the face to a star player like, that I've ever seen. Like, you don't even get sent to double. Like, not not triple, triple, not double. Single, single A. a. Oh, boy. That's embarrassing. That is incredibly embarrassing. Single A. Like, imagine the player, you walk into the office, the manager, the GM's office, and he's like, all right, Miguel, we're going to have to send you down to single A. You go from Minnesota to Fort Myers. You're like, ooh, Fort Myers isn't bad. It's Fort there, Myers right? miracle. Couple, couple, couple nice beaches. You know, you get the whole spring training facility. You'll be fine. But um, all right, back back to Bellinger. I mean, I, I I'm think, not concerned. I'm not concerned. I think everyone. I think he's a young player that pretty much everyone saw coming. I see a lot of Bellinger right now with what I saw with Aaron Judge. Comes up, hits a couple home runs, gets in the massive slump, goes back down, comes up the next season, he's fine. I think Bellinger, if he goes down, he goes down. Couple couple weeks, he'll be fine. Yeah, his stats are his stats aren't even that bad. They're a little bit ticked down. His batting average is down twenty five points. His OBP is down twenty four. His OPS is down one hundred and ten, which is pretty. That's a lot. And his OPS plus is down twenty three points. He's he's got some room to improve. I mean, there is a sophomore slump. I mean, there's a reason why the sophomore slump is so well known. It's because of that. I mean, he's gonna he's, he's he'll turn it around eventually. I mean, the same thing happened to Judge after the All Star break. He was awful. And the same what thing was the streak? It was like forty five games in a row he struck out in. Yeah, it was we fun. were there for number thirty eight. It was a lot. Not fun. Not a fun time. Well, that's that's all we got for fan mail. That is true. That is it for fan mail. So if you guys have any more, make sure to email us, DM us on Twitter, yell at us in the streets, send it by carrier pigeon. I really don't care. If you want to send us, you want to send us fan mail, get in touch with us. Send us some fan mail. We love to have it on the show. We love you guys getting involved. And yeah, we love we love to get you guys involved. I mean, we love your. Uh, I mean, you, you help make this podcast go round. So right. uh, thank you guys so much. We'll be back here in two weeks. Where in two weeks we'll be making our all star ballots on the show. Oh yeah, get ready for that all star ballots on this show in two weeks. Where it will also be. Will it be the first week of July. It might weekend. be. It'll be the weekend before the 4th. Wow. Look at that. Episode 7. Look out for that. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at JAVBoyk8. You can follow me at TCrowley37. And you can follow the podcast at CleanUpSpotPod. I'm Javik Blake. That is Tim Crowley. And this is the Cleanup Spot Podcast. Thanks for watching, guys.